following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Today we're continuing in this Love Life series, and it's actually been a really fun series, a really cool series. We're looking at the aspects of our love life with the living God. And what's important about this is love has evidence. When you're in a love relationship, there is some evidence of that. There's some things that are clear that people can see. And we happen to pick five topics that describe a passionate, thriving relationship between you and the living God. And some of these were worship and the word and prayer and tithing, which is biblical giving and service. And when we look at these in a nutshell, and these are online, if, you, if this is an area where you really go, you know, in my love life with God, maybe there hasn't been breakthrough in that area. I encourage you to go back and listen to these because we, we got into detail. The first one was on worship. And really what we said is worship is about intimacy. And there's a lot of times folks are like, no, I'm cool right here. I really don't want to get any closer. A lot of people have their own parameters and boundaries. And what we said is with the living God, don't do that. With the living God, the Bible says we can enter right into the holy of holies. We can enter into his presence. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people and that as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. So something explosive happens in worship if you're willing to be intimate. So worship is about intimacy. With the word, we said it's about seeing because God gave us so much life in here, so much direction, so much. This is like the roadmap of life. He's given us his Holy Spirit as the compass and he's given us his word as a roadmap. And a lot of people aren't seeing it. And the people that are in this word end up going, no, I'm seeing it. I'm starting to see it. But people that aren't in the word aren't seeing it. So we said your love life through the word, it's really about seeing. And as you spend some time with God and his word, you're like, oh, I'm starting to see it now. Really cool how that happens. Um, The other one is prayer. Now, prayer is about conversation. And you cannot be in a love relationship with anyone if you don't talk with them. You got to talk. You got to dialogue. And in prayer, we get to actually go before God with our prayers, our requests, with the things we're thankful for. We get to present things before God, and we're actually supposed to do it. So a lot of people have a different prayer life than others, but I would encourage you, an enormous part of your love life is the time that you spend with the Lord in prayer and just simply converse. You have a loving Father who loves you more than you'll ever know and spend some time talking with Him. The other one we talked about last week was on tithing, a biblical principle on trusting God, really. Tithing is trust. If we trust God with our future, if we trust God with eternity, if we trust God with salvation, if the universe is in his hands, why do we not trust him with our finances? Valid question, because many would say, oh, no, no, I, I totally trust him with that, but I don't trust him with this. It really comes down to trust, taking him at his word, and Today, we're looking at the aspect of service because in serving God, I just got to tell you something about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is this dimension in the spirit where all believers who accept Jesus enter into his kingdom. The day that he becomes the king of your life, you're a citizen of the kingdom. And then you begin to learn new aspects of kingdom life. What is it like in your love life with God as a citizen of the kingdom? You realize that there are... um, There are dimensions of protection for you. There are dimensions of provision for you. There are dimensions of guidelines for you. There are dimensions of power for you. There's all kinds of radical dimensions of the kingdom. You only start to discover some of these when you start to serve God. 
Uh, as an earlier believer, I was learning when I started to believe the word and I accepted Christ, I started to learn as much as I could. I started going to all the Bible studies. I started going to Bible college. But one thing I did a little early on is like, I got to see this firsthand. I personally got to see in the real world how this works out. I knew I needed to see how this works. So immediately, I mean, within the first few months of being a, a believer, I started serving down at Skid Row. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to start bringing sandwiches. And the church would go down and we'd bring, you know, drinks down there and we'd serve the homeless people and get to talk to people about the Lord. That was cool. Did that for years. I'm like, this is exciting. And then I started thinking, hmm, you know what I'd love to do? See, I'm from New York City and I like street-related ministry and I have a burden for people in jail. And I started saying, yeah, I really want to know how I can get into jails, uh, the, the right way to get in jail. There's a wrong way and a, and a right way. I want to preface that. <laughs> How do I get into jail the right way so I can share faith with people? And I asked the chaplain, and they said, well, if you play guitar, you know, I play guitar. And they're like, well, you can come in and start doing some music, and we'll see from there, and then maybe you get to share a message. And eventually, I started to do this. And for years, I'd go into county and Chino and, you know, penitentiary and share the message with people. And I loved it. I'm like, this is really cool. And then after that, I started to go to a lot of youth facilities because the youth, they're still young shapeable, moldable. They're not so set in their ways. Really cool stuff. Got one thing to say. You will learn more about the kingdom of God through service than 20,000 people can teach you from a pulpit. There's something about you saying, I may know a lot or I may know a little, but I'm about to start putting it in action. And when you do that, when you're willing to do that, the spirit of God will show up in your life and do things through you because the God we serve wants to do tons of things in this city. God wants to turn this city we live in upside down. And if you're here today, you're in this city for a reason. There are other cities to pick in this country that have a higher maybe quality of life than Los Angeles. Yet this is the influence capital of the planet. That's not really disputed. God has you here for a reason for such a time as this. God wants to do profound things through the lives of his people. But it really begins in this area of our love life of service where we say, all right, I may know a lot, I may know a little, but here goes. I'm ready to step out, whatever direction that is. We're going to look at aspects of this because service with God is a beautiful aspect of our love life. Many aspects of our love life, we get the direct benefit. You know, when we're worshiping, when we're in the presence of God, hey, that's beautiful. You feel amazing because things change in God's presence. When you're in the word, you grow, you get built up, you get fed. It's a benefit for you. Uh, In prayer, God answering your prayers. These are all benefits. This one's a little different. And this is why some people have a struggle with this. The topic of serving is not a self-centered one. It's an others-centered motive. And some folks say yes to Jesus and yes to all the benefits of the kingdom. I want every benefit that the kingdom has to offer. Hallelujah. You should want every benefit the kingdom has to offer. But then when we think of serving, we're like, well, wait a minute. What am I going to get out of that? First of all, you will get profound things out of that, but we don't always think that way. And so as we grow, we got to learn to realize that it's not just about us, that we receive the kingdom, but we got to give it away too. The mission statement of Metro Church here in the Valley is knowing God, but also making him known. So we spend time in the word, we grow, we fellowship, we worship, we get to know God and grow in our relationship. But the next step is making him known and going public and serving God and serving God's people. That is so huge in the Christian faith. Some only get the first part. It's really great to have a beneficial relationship with the living God. The serving part 
is a part that people usually struggle with, saying, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't really like that. Why should I? And a lot of folks have an issue with that. But I would suggest to you that Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. It's vertical and it's horizontal. And that's why the cross goes two ways. The Ten Commandments, the first four, all about you and God. The next six, all about you and everybody else around you. We can't look at the kingdom of God without looking at others. And I would say service is where everything begins to hinge on. And to reach this city as a church, which God's calling us to do, we need your help. Let me ask you, are you up for reaching this city? Because God is not satisfied with status quo anymore, guys. God wants to do profound things in our city and in this time. And I really believe if we're people of God who say, all right, God, here goes, what does that mean for me? Watch out, because God is always looking for folks like that. And when he finds them, there is no limit. You know, nothing's impossible with God. This is the will of God. This is not, well, I don't know, is it maybe? No, for sure, it is the will of the living God. And as we as a church and as individuals, when we go, here goes, what's my part, God? What do you have for me today? Watch what happens. It all hinges on service. So if you desire to be used by God to reach others, you're in the right place. And if you don't desire to be used by God to reach others, stick around and God will begin to change that in your heart. He really will because it's his heart. And so there's an analogy regarding the Dead Sea in Israel. The Dead Sea is an amazing snapshot of life that affects all of us. Uh, Up north in Israel, you have the Sea of Galilee. And you have all this fresh water and rain flow and streams flowing into the Sea of Galilee. It's absolutely beautiful. It's loaded with fish, tons of life in the Sea of Galilee. We've been swimming in the Sea of Galilee before. We didn't walk on the water there. We tried. It didn't work. But we actually, you know, been on. It's really amazing. Um, Sea of Galilee is beautiful, flowing with life. And then out of the Sea of Galilee, the water flows out down the Jordan River. It's the same water, okay? All this life in the Sea of Galilee, same water flows out. And then it flows down into what's called the Dead Sea. And unfortunately, there is nothing alive in the Dead Sea. And you're thinking, how can Galilee be filled with all this beautiful life and water? Same water flows down a stream and lands in another big lake. And how come everything is dead in that one? There's one reason. All the fresh water flows in and it just sits there. And it doesn't flow out anywhere. If there's life flowing in, there's got to be life flowing out. If there's no life flowing out, things stagnate and die. And that's what happens with the Dead Sea. And as a result, there is no life in the Dead Sea. And I would suggest the same is true with the kingdom of God. Some of you may be here today checking God out. Some of you may say, I'm taking a step closer. We're all at different places when it comes to the living God and his kingdom. But I would suggest this. We can have an attitude either of a consumer, we can be a consumer of the kingdom of God, or we can be a distributor for the kingdom of God. How many of you want to be a distributor this morning? I I don't know about you, when my life wraps up, I want to say, God, it was so cool you were willing to do stuff through me, rather than just have the consumer mentality as a Christian. And that's what servanthood is all about. Again, in your love life with God, there are many things you do get out of it. Yet the kingdom of God starts to happen in your life through you 
when you say, I want to be a distributor of the kingdom of God, not just a consumer of it. So, uh, in fact, if you're a note taker, the first thing about service today and our love life with God, the first thing about being a servant of God and, and loving God through our service, the first thing is, is that service is all about humility. It's really all about humility. If there's one thing you learn today about service, know that it's about humility because we have to humble ourselves to serve. And a lot of times we're like, I don't know if I want to do that. Why should I do that? I don't deserve that. You know, we come up with all these reasons why we shouldn't or that's below us or we don't want to. When we look at Jesus the Christ, and we will in a second here, he didn't have that attitude. A couple of quotes on humility. A man can counterfeit love, he can counterfeit faith, and he can counterfeit hope and all the other graces, but it's very difficult to counterfeit humility. D.L. Moody. Ben Franklin said, after crosses and losses, men grow humbler and wiser. Augustine said, it was pride that changed angels into devils, and it is humility that makes men as angels. Nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach as humility, Jonathan Edwards said. Real humility, it's been said that it's not thinking less of ourselves, it's probably thinking of ourselves a little less. There's something about humility. Humility sets our heart condition up to be used by God. And lack of humility or pride is the thing that doesn't allow us to do that. In fact, one of the terms that are used is ego. E-G-O, standing for edging God out. When somebody has ego in their life, lack of humility, they usually edge God out and have a self-centered world. But when they have humility, they're like, God, it's your world, I'm your servant. What would you have for me today? Again, that's when you begin to be a distributor of the kingdom. And I would suggest to you that service is all about humility. It begins there. Um, In John 13, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. Jesus, the king of all kings. He's the prince of peace. He's the Lord of lords. He's traveling with his disciples with these like open toe sandals, going down these stinky roads, you know, probably missing the manure piles as they walk because that's what you had to do. And they show up for the Passover meal. It's a big deal. They all sit down to eat. And Jesus, the king of all kings, who should be the focus of all attention and should have a meal fit for a king, he does something profound. Let's read this, John 13, verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Um, Interesting snapshot. If you were at a meal and Jesus the Christ got down on his knees to wash your feet, you and I would probably say the same thing. (laughs) That's cool, Jesus and all, but no, 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 we don't need to go there. We need to go pulling off our socks and having you wash our feet, especially these guys with these stinky, smelly feet who were walking all through Palestine all day, all 12 of these guys. You wouldn't want them washing your feet. There's something about having your feet washed, and there's something about washing somebody else's feet. See, ladies, if you have a pedicure done somewhere, it's really not a big deal. If you're paying somebody, you're paying them money, and they're doing a pedicure. You're paying them for a service. But to have somebody stop and drop to their knees and just serve you by washing your feet will probably freak you out. It probably would. Peter couldn't handle it. Peter said, no way. Peter's like, there's certain things we just don't do, Jesus, and that's one of them. He's like, no way. 
We're not going there. And Jesus is like, no, you don't understand, Peter. If you don't let me do this, you don't even understand what the kingdom is about. Um, years ago, Christy and I were uh, involved in a ministry. They did a Passion Week, and the Passion Week was presented in a live, almost like an art installation, where you would go through one section and then the next, and you would experience the Passion Week all the way to the cross. And so while we were praying and setting this up, we were, we were told, we're like, what's our role? Where do we serve? And they said, well, you guys are at the very beginning when people just come in off the, off the street, the people checking this out, you guys are going to be washing feet. Oh, <laughs> all righty then. Well, I'm excited. Let's go wash. So we're like, this is kind of weird, but we were taking people through the Last Supper, the washing the feet, the Garden of Gethsemane, and there was other stations. So here Christy and I are, and people are coming in. Hey, how you doing? Good evening. You know, welcome to the thing. We're going to start tonight on this journey as we walked with Jesus with washing your feet. So if you wouldn't mind, do you mind if we take your shoes off? And people are like, what? People were freaking out. They're like, you want to do what? It's very humbling to have your shoes taken off and have your feet washed. But a lot of folks, you ain't washing my feet. We might do the same thing. There's something about us and our nature that we avoid humbling experiences. We do. We avoid humbling experiences. And it's to our deficit that we do. I would say the kingdom of God is full of these humbling experiences, but there's huge glory on the other side of them. And so we ended up doing this, and it was a very interesting. It changed us for doing it, and I'm sure it changed a bunch of other folks, but Jesus proceeds to wash 24 smelly feet after this. The king of kings washing the feet and drying them on his towel. And he goes on to say, basically he says, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you would be blessed to do them. Um, He's basically laying something out for us about humility. And when we look at humanity, because we always want to avoid these humbling experiences, it's important to take note of this. There are so many things that we will do as people to achieve, to gain, to acquire. We send people to the moon. We build big buildings. We, you know, as, as a human race, we go to all lengths to gain and to acquire and to, to move forward in our pursuits of things. The question is not how high will you go. The question really, Jesus is saying, is how low will you go? How low will you go? How low are you willing to go? Peter's like, I ain't doing that. And you ain't either. We don't go there. And I would suggest to you in the kingdom of God, there is a dimension when you're ready for it, when you're ready to be a distributor for the kingdom of God, there is a dimension of humility in your service where the question comes up, how low will you go? And when you go, I don't do that, and I ain't going to do that. I just want to tell you from that point forward, you're missing out on all the rest of the kingdom of God that's down that road. And there's a whole life. Because Jesus the Christ said, the greatest of all is the servant of all. So there's something profound about that. Jesus may not have me and you washing feet. That's really not the point. But he does have us doing stuff. Some of it's creative. Some of it's easy. Some of it's hard. Uh, we all have different gifts. We want to function in our gifts for the glory of God. That's really cool. Sometimes there's a time to set up chairs. No one has the gift of chair setting up. Have you heard of that gift? 
I never heard the gift of floor sweeping. Have you ever heard that gift? I never did. And some will say, well, I'm not called to do that. Well, they'll say, that's not my gift. (laughs) Was Jesus' gift the gift of washing feet? Did he have that gift? It's not a gift. It's a humility and it's a heart condition for looking at the kingdom and saying, Lord, whatever you want to do through me, I'm available. God's like, now that is a heart I can use. I would also suggest to you that if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, that he will raise us up. Here's a paradox, that as we're trying to gain, achieve, and acquire in life, which is fighting, pursuing your business, and doing your, your career and your goals, that's all cool, but understand in the kingdom of God that when we humble ourselves, he raises us up. There's something radical in his economy of who he wants to promote and how God bases promotability. The living God is looking for how we do in the mundane things. How will you do with the normal things? Because if you can do good with that, He's like, bingo, I can get behind you now. It's very cool. Regarding our love life with God in service, our second point is be willing to get lower. Be willing to go lower. This doesn't mean throwing your life out. This doesn't mean you don't have goals and pursuits in life. It doesn't mean that at all. It means when it comes to things that you're willing to serve and do and things that you're like, nah, I don't do that, be willing to go lower. Because if you're not willing to go lower, you miss out. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. There's something that happens in your life and in mine when we say, you know what, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go lower. Where God gets the glory, but he gets it through you. Through your life, God gets the glory. That's the cool thing. I don't know about you, but I want God to get the glory through my life. I mean, I think that's why we're here this morning, because we love the living God. We want to see him move in profound ways, and we want him to use us. We want to see God do radical stuff through his people. And be willing to go lower because your love life with God, others will see that and God will get the glory. It's very cool how that happens. Uh, Moving on, the parable of the talents. You guys are familiar with the parable, many of you. The parable of the talents, I just want to say briefly that talents were given out to God's people. All the people were called servants. So everyone's been given talent and everyone is called a servant. And each one has a God-given capability and capacity Interesting thing about these talents, we have nothing to do with how many we get, but we have everything to do with how we give them out and what we do with them. Isn't that interesting? We're called servants, and that's because the living God has some expectations. In fact, at the end, when life wraps up, there's going to be this thing where, how do you do with the stuff I gave you? And we're not going to go, well, I didn't feel like it. <laughs> that's not going to work. It's going to be, like, how do you do with the stuff I gave you? How did you serve the living God with the the things, the opportunities and some of these things. And, and I would say that that's our third point this morning in summary is to service is about getting my gifts into action. When you find out what your gift is, you find out where the needs are and you're saying, you know what? I might not have it down, but here it goes. I'm going to start putting it in action. Bingo. This is where it begins. Think of Jesus walking down the road, tax collectors, everybody else and say, follow me. Some of them said, yeah, I appreciate who you are, but no, I'm actually, I'm staying right here. They missed out on a whole life and a whole future of explosive things. There were others that said, I don't have it all down, but here goes. And they started to walk with him along the way and watch and do what he did and start to emulate him. Those are the ones who have stories to tell. Those are the ones with testimonies. And I don't know about you, but when I check out of this life in my rearview mirror, I want to know there was profound testimony. Not, not because of me or Chris, because of God choosing to use people. I want 
you to have that same thing. I want you to be able to say, when I'm checking out of this life, to check out with a smile and say, well, I do know this. God was willing for some reason to do things through me and it was cool and it was great and I have no regrets. That's the way you want to live your life. That, guys, is the abundant life. The living God, creator of the universe, the power of the spirit through servants of God. And when we miss this component, we miss what the kingdom is, is all about. Last week, I talked to you about being on the boat with Jesus. And we were saying that some are in the boat with Jesus and they have an oar in their hand. Some of us are pulling at the oars and we're in the boat with Jesus. It's very cool. It's the right place to be. But sometimes, some people sit back with their iced tea, with the fancy umbrella, while others are pulling at the oars. And it's just interesting when you're pulling at the oars and some get it. They're like, Jesus, I got it. You're in the boat. We're in the boat. We're pulling at the oars. Not knocking ourselves out, but we're serving the king in his power and his power through us. Yet others are like, yeah. Can you give me some more ice cubes, please? And this is a paradox in the kingdom of God of choosing to be a consumer or a distributor. Can be sitting in the boat sipping that iced tea, asking for another ice cube? Or you can say, Jesus, where's my oar? <laughs> you got an oar for me? It's amazing how that works out. A lot of it's their disposition. A lot of it's about our humility. And I think that's really important to note. The last thing I want to cover with you guys, I'm going to do this briefly. Ephesians chapter 4, this is in your bulletin. Here's a profound statement in the Bible. This is saying that as believers, this is how we grow up individually and how a church grows up collectively. Pretty profound statement. A lot of people kind of gloss over this, but I think we really got to look at this. It says in Ephesians 4, 7, it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is basically saying what the talent said. Everyone has been given a grace. The word is a gift, a grace, same interchangeability. Each of us have gifts, have grace. The Lord apportioned it. And he says specifically, he talks about a pastor and it actually tells me what my job description is. This is pretty profound. And my job description has a lot to do with your role in the kingdom of God. And this says in verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to, listen to this, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of, of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants. This is saying my job description is not just to be a minister. My job description is to help make ministers. The word for servant and minister is the same in the Bible. A lot of times we don't think, well, I'm not really in ministry. I don't do ministry. No, anytime you serve, you are a minister. It's the same word. And this is saying that my job is to help equip the people of God to recognize your place in the, in the life in the church and the life of the kingdom of God. This is a part, when you take ownership with your role, when you identify your gift, when you learn where God wants you and what it is, this is where life begins to happen. This is where you begin to grow. This is where others around you begin to flourish. And this is where life begins. It's really important. So our fourth point is, is that this morning, is that we grow up spiritually through serving in ministry. That's how we grow up personally. That's how the kingdom of God is expressed. I would suggest to you that some of your gifts are for right inside the church. Some of your gifts 
are for outside the church reaching people for the glory of God. God gave a beautiful diversity of gifts. Some of these gifts, there are needs. Sometimes it's pushing a broom and serving in children's ministry, ushers, setting up, tearing down sound. By the way, I just want to say, Scott, are you in here? I don't know where. He's probably serving somewhere right now. But can I tell you, Scott is a single father of three children. Scott comes every week, a couple of hours early down here. Even though we're paying $1,000 a week for this school, he brings his leaf blower to help clean it up because it's usually not clean. That's thanks to the public school system. But he's down here with a leaf blower clean and bringing coffee for the worship team who's also here at 8 o'clock setting up in the sound ministry. He comes sometimes with his kids from Santa Monica. Sometimes he sets up, goes home and gets them and brings them back. He prays for you. Scott, you come up here for a second. Can we give him a round of applause? I just want to honor this man for a minute. He, he didn't know I was going to say this, but I, I just wanted to honor you for your service in the kingdom oh. of God, my friend. Um, he, again, sometimes comes with his kids, sets up the house of God for you, for you, so that you can enjoy the service and grow and worship and things, and puts out signs in the neighborhood, things of that nature, is the last man standing packing up here. And he sometimes goes home and gets his kids, bring them back. Sometimes he's here with the leaf blower in the morning. I meet with Scott weekly and we pray for the church. He's praying for you guys all the time. He's leading up our prayer team, our prayer ministry. And I just want you guys to know, on this journey in my faith, I thank God that as I'm rowing at one oar on one side of the boat, I'm looking over at my buddy Scott and he's rowing at the other one. It is a privilege and an honor to go, to go through the kingdom that way. So if you're at the point where you have the iced tea with the ice cube and the fancy umbrella, get the visual in that, think about saying, what's my part in the kingdom? Because of guys like Scott, a lot of people are finding life. And so, Scott, I just want to thank you, my friend, my brother. Okay. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, find your place. In fact, that's why we are called the body of Christ. We are, not me, not, we are the body of Christ. And the reason we're called the body of Christ is because we represent Christ, but we're also his hands. We're also his feet. We're also his mouthpiece. We love, we serve, we're supposed to be a life-giving people. And that's why the body of Christ is supposed to be connected, finding its part, and being on display for the world to see for the glory of God. We're supposed to be love and action, and this is also where we grow up. I want to just close saying um, there is an extreme hunger in the land and people are spiritually really thirsty. We are not only praying for a revival, we are expecting revival. There's one thing to pray for, there's another thing to expect it. We are expecting revival, that God is going to be doing some profound things. When revival comes, not if revival comes, when revival comes, there are going to be some, almost like surfers at the beach going, yeah, the waves are flat. I ain't going out. And in fact, they're not even at the beach. They don't even bring their surfboard. The waves are flat. There's others going, but I've been praying and I'm expecting. And they're ready. And they're suited up and prayed up and ready. And when that happens, when that disposition of the heart is like, I don't know where you want me, God, but here I am. It's your world. You love people. Use me. I am willing to go lower. I'm willing to go high. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to be outside the box. What is it? Stay tuned because you will be poised and positioned for a move of the Holy Spirit. In the upper room was a bunch of people who were waiting on God and others were not. 
The ones who were waiting got in on the power, got in on the purpose, got in on provision, and the ones who were not missed it completely. They were the spectators going, hey, Vern, would you take a look at that? (laughs) What's going on? I don't want us to be the spectators. I don't want us to be the consumers. I want us to be the distributors of the kingdom of God. I trust you do too. And we're going to close in prayer. But as we do, I want to encourage you. We're living in a time where we need to get a little unorthodox. We need to be a little creative. So we are asking you to dream with us and to pray with us and to grow with us and think about what the kingdom on display could be like. Because I think we're living in a time where we're going to have to get real creative on how we reach a lost and dying world. And it will be a creative idea from the living God through the power of his spirit to a lost and dying world where a lot of people are going to get life. So I trust you want to be part of that. We pray you do want to be part of that. So again, grow with us, dream with us, pray with us. I want to close in prayer right now on that note and just uh, ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. Mighty God, we love you. And as an expression of our love life, Lord, we want to learn how to serve you. Uh, Oftentimes, Lord, we serve others. And that's serving you. You say, whatever you do to the least of these, that you did unto me. And people say, well, when did I ever do that for you? And you would say, every time that you taught the child in the children's ministry, that was like teaching me. Every time that you gave to the kingdom of God, that was given to me. Every time that you went and shared the faith with somebody who was across the street or across the cubicle or down the road or in the store, that was like doing it to me. So whatever you did to them, you did to me. And Lord, on this area of the church growing up, us individuals and the church in general, I pray, mighty God, that we would find our place in the kingdom of God, that we would pray, that we would be available, that we would find our place, we would find where you want us for what season, that we would serve you for your glory, that you would do radical things through your people, because there's a whole city out there that needs you, Jesus. And you're still saying today that your eyes go throughout the whole earth looking for hearts that are completely yours so you can strongly support them. I pray you would look and see this church and look at us and our hearts and say, yes, you guys are starting to get it. I can use you in profound ways. I can put you on display because you're humble enough that I can be on display through you. That's what we want, Lord. So help us to dream and to pray right and to be available and to serve in a way that makes you smile because the greatest of all is the servant of all. We love you, mighty God, and we praise you and we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.